Fathom fam, welcome to our weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. We want to remind you, if you haven't yet, go ahead and download our Church Center app. We've got lots of awesome events coming up, and we don't want you to miss a thing. You can also keep tabs on us over on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom fam Facebook group. We're going to link all those resources in the show notes, and we hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message. All right, let's dive in. We're in part four of this series, Grace, very simply titled, but man is grace deep. It touches so much of our our life and our life with God and in God. And we're going to wrap that up uh, next weekend. If you've been with us, we've been talking about how grace saves us. First of all, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by by grace and faith in that grace, but by what Christ did for us. So we're sa- grace saves us. Pastor Shannon talked about how grace sets us apart. It sets us apart. It makes us holy. It cha- changes us. It transforms us. None of us showed up as a perfect product today, nor will you show up tomorrow. And, and we're going to, you know, kind of turn into a perfect person today. It's going to happen uh, over the, the time that God is doing in us healing us, and it will not be fully realized until he returns, and, and we, we're in heaven. Um, and then uh, last week, Pastor David talked about how grace is sufficient for our weakness, because even on those, those days where we feel like we're doing good, and then like, oh man, that was a, that's a rough day, or we're feeling weak in some way, God's grace lifts us up and carries us through, even in our weakest uh, moments. Today, I want to talk and take, um, talk about how grace is already in us, but the ultimate destination, the final destination of grace is not for it to get in us, but it's actually for grace to get through us, not in the same way that Christ did, but in the way um, that he has already placed grace in us. And so today I want to talk about spiritual gifts uh, and what I'm just titling the message, grace gifts, grace gifts. I've always felt like I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. Anybody else kind of feel like that. Like, I'm like sort of average at a bunch of things and don't really like know like what would be the big thing. I'm like, I'm really good at that. I've always felt uh, that way. There's a lot of interesting kind of dialogue and conversation in leadership and business and kind of career path training for uh, young people. Because most of the time what we end up doing is we end up kind of trying to strengthen our weaknesses. Like students, if you're not good in math, you try to get better in math. You spend extra time in that. Um, but, uh, but so much, we, we end up putting so much attention on the development of our weaknesses that sometimes we forget to live out of our strengths. And we could talk about this from a, a natural perspective, but I wanna talk about this from a supernatural perspective because the gifts that God has placed inside of us are not of our own strength and power. They're supernatural in nature. They are gifts from God. And so we're calling this grace gifts. The, the Greek word for, the, for grace is charis, or chais, however you want to pronounce it. Um, it literally means grace. We've been talking about that. We're saved by grace. Grace sets us apart. But there's a, another term in the Greek that we see show up in the New Testament that often gets translated spiritual gifts, and you'll recognize it in English. It's Charisma, charisma. You're familiar with that in the English language. We use that word from time to time. It's someone with a lot of energy, someone who kind of can draw people to themselves or get people excited about a project. Usually people with lots of 
charisma or who are charismatic will will be, uh, you know, winning the popularity contest or running for political office or whatever it might be, or they might get the promotion ahead of somebody else who maybe doesn't have as much kind of energy um, outrightly, visibly. But what I, I want us to understand is that's not the biblical definition, even though that's how we understand in the English, this word charisma that shows up in the text we're gonna read, this is the the, the Context, the, the word and its context help us to understand what he's saying here. It's about grace gifts. So literally, charisma, it's the, the gifts of grace that God has placed inside of us, often called spiritual gifts. It's a grace that isn't just meant to get to us, but again, a, a grace that's meant to get through us. Here's what it is. It's a grace that you receive in order to give it away. That's really the only purpose of this grace is that you would not keep it to yourself, but it would grow into a flame of God that's flowing through you, a manifestation of God that is flowing through you to give it away in love and in service. Uh, we're gonna turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse, verses 7 through 11. Uh, this morning, this will be our, our primary text. Um, I, I think it's important. I, I, I mentioned this the other, the other night, too, in teaching this. First um, Peter chapter two, there's a, there's a significant verse that shows up in uh, chapter two, verse nine. And, and Peter writes in the midst of intense persecution, like AD 62, 63, the persecutions of Nero on the church are intense at the moment. So that's the context in which Peter writes this. And he tells them and he reminds them that you are God's chosen people. If you're a believer, if you have said yes to Jesus, I want to remind you, you are a chosen people. He goes on to say in verse nine of of chapter two, you're a royal priesthood. I know you think of priesthood up here, but you are, as as God's people, you're, you're a chosen royal priesthood, a holy nation, and that God God has, has placed you in this world to, to point people to his marvelous light out of the darkness of this world into his marvelous light. And so I want to just mention that verse and remind you of that truth that Peter reminds in this book, uh, in this letter that I, I think is one of the most significant verses. And that's kind of the backdrop that we'll lean into verse seven here. The end of all things is near. Ominous, right? Uh, Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Let's hang there for for just a moment. There's there's always been in the mindset of the church that the end of all things is near. Jesus said, wait, because I'm going to return. And so there is this, this level of urgency, not fear, that we should live with as God's church. We shouldn't be living in fear that God will return. We actually live in anticipation and hope that Christ will return and he will return soon. And I feel like the longer we live in this life, the more we begin to yearn and long for the return of Christ. The more we know Jesus, the more we want to be with him where he's at, not him where we're at. There's a difference. I want to be where He's at fully and finally. And so that's an urgency that, that, that I think, like the, the church in 62, 63 AD, feeling persecution when times are tough. Come on, the end feels a little bit more near, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, when all, everything's hitting the fan, it feels like, man, the end is near in our life. So he says, be 
alert and of sober mind. Be clear-headed. Don't get nervous. And be sober. Be alert. Let it bring an urgency and clarity to our life, a connection to God so that you may pray. And this may be the message before the message for somebody here today is that you need to have an urgency about your spiritual life that you haven't had in a very long time, maybe ever. That maybe in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, God wants to really get you connected in prayer more than you ever have in your entire life. He wants to wake up a yearning and longing to be alert and of sober mind so that you'll pray a closeness and a connection with God. There's the message before the message. Let's continue reading the rest of this text. Above all, love each other deeply. Everybody say above all. Y'all good. Y'all woke up. Um, Y'all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Whatever charisma you've received, whatever grace gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. What a humbling reminder as I I speak to you this morning. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Don't make the coffee in your own strength this morning. And all all the people who love coffee said, amen. Amen. Let's trust in the Lord's strength for that. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. First thing I I want you to hear, just deepen in your soul. I want you to hear and understand this. Every single person in here, you have a special grace gift from God. Every single one of you is there. Even if you're not a believer and you're watching online or you're in the room, you, you don't have a relationship with God, there's already a gift waiting for you. It's, it's waiting behind door number one. <laughs> it, it is waiting as you open your heart and say, yes, there is, is something that God has placed inside. There is a special grace gift from God. It's placed inside of you. Ephesians 4 uh, verse 7 says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He's, he's already placed it in there. He's already portioned it. It's already in us. And, and I remember uh, over the years just teaching on spiritual giftedness, and it's a passion of mine to be able to speak in and encourage you uh, on this topic. But I remember being in DNA session two. Uh, how many of you guys have been through DNA sessions at some point? Yeah, many of you. Yeah, I love that. Um, it, it's a place where we get this conversation started. So even if you didn't come from a church background, even if you've never been around, we get this conversation started about spiritual gifts, about grace gifts, so that you can kind of begin to process and know that God's placed a special gift inside of you. I remember being in one session and I was talking with a guy, um, kind of a, a, a stocky guy. I had a tender heart, loved to, to, to help in any way, um, but he didn't really see like a, a gift in him. And as we're talking through this, we, I begin to, help him unpack that he has a spiritual gift of craftsmanship. He, he knows how to fix things with his hands. And how many know that that's a gift? If you don't, how many of y'all don't have that gift, right? You're thankful for people who do have that gift because they show up and it's like, oh my gosh, I couldn't do this. And helping him understand that that was actually something that God had given him a special grace gift for. He honestly, this big burly ex-military guy tears begin to well up in his eyes as he realized 
he actually had something valuable to offer people around him. That it wasn't nothing. It wasn't just being kind of this random thing he learned along the way, but it was actually something significant within the body of Christ that built up and made a difference. I, I was referencing earlier in our communion moment, as I was reading that Nehemiah chapter eight uh, this week, uh, somebody had to build the box for Ezra to stand on to read the word. <laughs> somebody had to put that together where he wouldn't fall through it. It was a gift. Uh, but a spiritual gift, just to, to be clear, about a spiritual gift is a character quality, a talent or ability uniquely empowered by the Holy Spirit. So even someone who's kind of grown up in a musical family, right, who, who learned from the best musicians in the world and, and, and they step on the stage and, and, and lead us in worship, we're like, man, you have such a gift. I don't know how you do that. It's, there's just anointing on your life. We can recognize it. even that person who has been in that cultivating, nurturing environment. At some point, it, when our gifts uh, are submitted to the Lord, he redeems what is natural for, for supernatural purposes, for divine purposes. At some point in our own strength, we leave, I'm doing this in my strength and I'm doing it in the Holy Spirit. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. I, I use the, the, the first part of this, a character quality, because that's a significant thing that I don't want us to miss. For instance, like we're all called to be merciful, right? We're all called to have faith. We're all called to be generous. But there's some people that they just seem to have a special measure of patience or of, of mercy or of faith. They don't give up on any situation. They have a generosity that just overflows out of them, it's uniquely empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so even those character qualities, we're all called to embody and live those who have it in a special measure. There's been a grace apportioned to them. And I know some of us, we may be thinking, well, how do I know what my gift is? Some of you will immediately know, I kind of know what my spiritual gift is. Some of you are denying that you even have a spiritual gift, and that's what I'm trying to help you see today. How do you know what it is? Well, we do DNA sessions. That kind of helps get the conversation started. We do it on the first and second Sunday of every month, kind of build a, um, an opportunity to, to get you asking that question, having that conversation, praying about it. Right, let me give you a couple of questions that I, I often ask folks that can kind of help us kind of figure it out, you know, as we pray and God will reveal to us. One is, what act of service gives you the most joy? What act of service? Like when you do this for some, someone, when you do something outside of yourself, what sparks kind of the most joy? What sparks joy, as Marie Kondo says? Anybody know Marie Kondo, like the organizing lady? If you look at my drawers, they're all Marie Kondo'd up. Right? There's a unique way. to. She's got a special gift for that, right? She doesn't know it's from, from the Lord, but it's from the Lord. Maybe one day that'll be redeemed for his glory. It's redeemed in my dresser right now, though, so... Um, what act of service gives you the most joy? Is it cooking, right? Cooking and hosting people in your home and you just, you can't get enough of it. Your spouse may be like, get these people out of my house and you're like, just let them stay. Maybe it's just like when you bless somebody with a gift, financial gift, and you, you know, bless them with that and you just keep giving and your spouse is looking over at you like, will you just stop giving away all our money? There's a gift inside of you. There's a gift inside of you. What act of service gives you the most joy? Is it just helping people? Anytime you can help someone, is it, is it listening to someone? Asking that question, what gives me, what act of service gives me this joy? What kind of 
lights me up. This is really important to begin to understand that there is a gift inside of you. And that when, that feeling, that that's something actually to follow and ask. God, why have you put such joy around this act of service? Second question I would ask, I think is really helpful, is what would those closest to you say, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> Maybe you're a really good listener, like I mentioned before, and, and you, you, you have no problem listening to people's problems. And someone will look at you and say, I do not know how you deal, deal with that. I do not know how you do that. Maybe it is organizing a spreadsheet or, or planning a party. Maybe you have a gift of administration. Maybe you work with your hands and you have to fix a car. Maybe you do have the gift of craftsmanship. Maybe you have all, like just in people come to you and they, they ask when they're going through a difficult time and they're trying to figure out, you know, a difficult circumstance with a lot of different factors, you know, Life is complicated and we have all kinds of, yeah, but there's this and you don't understand this part of it. And there's people that can come alongside and they can speak wisdom into that, have the right words and kind of help you navigate things. Maybe that's the gift of shepherding or maybe that's the gift of wisdom present in your life. There's so many ways, but what, what do people look at and say, I don't know how you do that. It's maybe there's a special grace gift inside of you. And, and once we discover, once we're able to hone in on something, it's important that we read what Paul says in Romans 12, verse three, just before he begins to talk about spiritual gifts, grace gifts. Again, here's what he says, for by the grace given me, like Pastor Paul here, for the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Therefore, like what he's saying is like, when I'm, I'm going to talk about these spiritual gifts, I don't want you to begin to think this is all about you, right? You ever meet somebody and they kind of introduce you, introduce, you know, themselves to you. I've had somebody come and say, hey, I'm prophet so-and-so. I'm like, okay, cool. What's your like first name? Like, you think of yourself with sober judgment, whatever that might be, um, and, and to know that it's a gift. You learn it. And so we humbly must learn to be faithful stewards of the gift. That's the second thing I want you to hear today. Not only does each one of us have a gift inside of us, we're called to be a faithful steward of that grace gift. It is a grace that is in us, but God wants to get it through us. It's a grace given to us, meant to leave us, meant to be a blessing to others. So I want to talk about faithful stewardship of the gift. What that means is that you are accountable to God for what you do with that gift inside of you. Just a couple years ago, uh, my grandfather passed away. And before he did, when the, the last time we were at his house, before he, he passed away, we weren't expecting it. Um, uh, but he gave me several heirloom pieces in my house. And I really care about these pieces. I'm not, I'm not just going to throw them to goodwill. If we ever have to move, like they're, they're going to get passed down in the family. You know what I mean? Have you ever had one of those? I care about this, this, this gift that was given by my grandfather. I've got an old kind of, it's not a grandfather clock, but a very old, probably 90-year-old clock sitting over my dresser. And it matters to me. I'm stewarding that gift for a time. And so it's important. God chooses to operate through us by his spirit. He chooses to. The stewardship goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. It goes all the way back. God was in the garden with them, and he gave them an opportunity to steward the gift 
of creation. This idea of stewardship, and now God is choosing, he's chosen to operate through us, through the empowerment of his spirit, to be stewards of his church, to be stewards of this earth. I'm gonna give you three, three things on faithful stewardship of the gift. One, if we're gonna faithfully steward the gift, we gotta desire the gift. You actually gotta want it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one says this, follow the way of love, there it goes again, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire the charisma, not the external, all the, no, eagerly desire the grace gifts. He says especially prophecy, and it's less prophecy, biblical prophecy, particularly New Testament prophecy, is less like, hey, this is who's gonna win for president next election, and more of calling people back to covenant faithfulness with God. It's more like me calling up a friend or seeing a friend in the grocery store I haven't seen for a long time and know that they're not walking with the Lord and saying, hey, brother, I just want to remind you, God has a plan for your life. And I wanna call you back to the family of God. I wanna encourage you to come back. I'd love for you to come sit with me. Come on, that's New Testament prophecy that Paul says we, can, we need as much as we can, calling people back to covenant faithfulness with God. But this idea of eagerly desiring, it, it actually speaks of like a warm feeling a zealousness. Like I, I feel for like spending time with my kids and my, my wife, like sometimes during the week when I just haven't got to spend, I'm like, man, I just got that warm I just want to like be with you. I just want, I just want to like be in your presence and I just want more of you. There's a zealousness. Often this word eagerly desire shows up as zealous or jealous. God's zealous over your affection, your attention. And he wants us to be the same way towards him. He wants to be eager and desire that he would work in us and not just work in us, but that he would work through us. It's a gift, grace gift that's been given to us, but it's meant to get through us. We've got to eagerly desire the gift. That means that hunger is required in order to reach your full potential in God. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. Some of us just hope we're going to reach our full potential in God, but if you don't want it, so maybe God's gonna stir some hunger in some of us today. Second thing you've gotta know, if we're gonna be faithful stewards of the gift, and we're gonna have to learn and grow in the gift. It's not always gonna be up and to the right and everything's fine. We're gonna have to learn and grow in the gift. What you understand about, um, uh, let's say, shepherding, for example, or even encouragement. Let me use uh, encouragement. That is a great gift. Oftentimes, the spiritual word is exhortation. Exhort one another in the Lord, the King James might say. But this exhortation, this encouragement to one another, like how I understand that now and how I'll understand that in five years is probably gonna be different. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little more wisdom, a little more experience in using that gift to build others up. I may put my foot in my mouth several times between now, five years from now, but I'm learning and I'm growing in the gift. We can't be afraid to exercise the gift in fear of not doing it rightly. We, we're gonna have to learn and grow in the gift. We're gonna have to lean in and learn from others who are strong in that gift. Second Timothy uh, chapter one, verse six, Paul says to his spiritual son, Timothy, who's got a great deal of faith within him that he's already mentioned in this text. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
fan into flame. I, I, I've, I've confessed before from this stage that I'm not the fire maker at my house. Like, anybody do a fire this week when I got like 45? Come on. All right, one. All right, all right. Yeah. A um, couple of us got that fire going. We thought about it, but I'm telling you, the only fire I like to build is with a lot of gas and it to happen fast. So we don't do that in the house. Taryn's our pioneer woman. She knows how to make a fire with the best of them. But oftentimes she'll leave the room to, to make us dinner because she's awesome. And, and, and when she leaves the room, she'll look to me and she said, babe, can you keep the fire going? Turn to one of our boys. Hey, can you make sure this flame keeps going? And of course I'll do, you know, um, my best for a minute and then I'll lose focus and I'll keep watching sports or play with the kids or whatever. And she'll come back in and she's like, hey, you had one job, and that's to keep the fire going. I, I kind of got the warmth going for you there. Can't you keep it going? And then she'll get down on her hands and knees, and she'll, she'll work, and she'll fan that flame in. Come on, it's not just about getting the fire going. It's hard to keep it going. In reaching your God-given potential, it's not just hunger that's required, but effort's required. There's going to be some seasons with the gift that God's given you that you're going to be like, eh, just let the fire go out. And just breaks my heart to imagine today how many people have walked into our churches around the world and are walking in looking for the flame of God, looking for people who are hungry, looking for fire, looking for spiritual nourishment, seeking the truth, seeking the spirit of God, but instead they find a bunch of ashes and they find a bunch of fires that have gone out. Like I wonder if something used to be left there. It's the remnants of what was left over May it not be said of us as a house. May it not be said of our own houses, of our own spiritual life that our flame has gone out. May we fan into flame the gift of God, the charisma that is within you today. That we may be faithful stewards of what God has placed inside of us. And the final thing is that means we're gonna serve others with the gift. That is the point of the gift. It's not to like put it up on a nice display case. And when we talk about spiritual gifts, like this is my spiritual gift. <laughs> no, it's that it would build up the body of Christ. I love 1 Corinthians uh, 12 verse seven. The new living says it very vividly. A spiritual gift is given to us so that we can help each other. It's in you, not for you. So we can help each other so that the body is built up and strengthened. And on any given week, on any given day, during the week, the body needs to be functioning at full capacity to be healthy. <laughs> needs the encouragement of the encouragement, encouragers. It, it needs the shepherding of the shepherds. It needs the faith of those with the gift of faith. It needs the generosity of those with the gift of giving. It needs those with the gift of leadership to be leading diligently and faithfully. It needs those with the gift of prophecy, putting their arms around those and calling them back to covenant faithfulness with God. It's meant to serve others with the gifts. See, if we're gonna ever reach our God-given potential, then hunger is required, effort is required, and Lord knows, love is required. Paul says in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all these gifts. You can be raising the dead, but if you don't have love, psh, Kyle's translation says, it's annoying. It's like a clanging cymbal. Just boom, boom, boom. Like we're thinking, well, we're doing all these great things, but to God, if love is not present, we've completely missed the picture. 
Peter says it here, above all else, love deeply. You must love deeply with a gift. And what we think is deep gets deeper every day. What I thought was deep 10 years ago, I don't understand is deep now. Because I've walked through some things and God's taught me to go deeper and deeper in loving. Deeper and deeper in using the gift not to build myself up, but to love others as service unto others. What a, what a beautiful thing that God invites us into. His way is a way of love. Nothing's more important than this. Though we, we have a tendency in our humanity and our flesh to look with our physical eyes and we can begin to elevate certain things above love. Not even trying to, we can begin to elevate the program of our day, of our week, or of our church services. We can begin to elevate the program over love. We can begin to elevate performance above love. Parents, can we confess at times we, we've elevated love, or we've elevated performance over love? But God calls us to love each other deeply, and I believe there's three results of loving deeply with our gift. Here's what he says. Now go, go back to the, that verse there, verse eight, above all over, other, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Three results of loving deeply. One is right there. Love covers a multitude of sins. Here's this wonderful quote by a guy, a pastor named Wayne Grudem. He says this, where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses and and even some large ones are readily overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflicts abound. Here's the, the, the phrase that stuck out to me. To Satan's perverse delight. Satan loves it where love's not present. Satan's happy when love is not present. God works through it to bring about unity and covering up our Weaknesses, our shortcomings so many times. That's not covering over sin. Like, like hey, we're just gonna brush it, that, that abuse, we're gonna brush it under the rug like we've seen happen in the church. That's not what Paul's talking, Peter's talking about here. Not what's happening. So we've gotta separate and understand the truth of what he's saying here, the impact of it. Secondly, lo the result of loving deeply is that it'll purify our motives and bring purity in our life. What he says in the next verse, uh, can you go back? I think it's verse nine uh, there. Um, I think it's verse nine, the one on hospitality. Um, he, he says this, um, if you're able to pull that one back up, back in the text, um, I've got it here. Um, verse, uh, yes, verse nine. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's this understanding, this expectation that the using of our gifts the opportunity to use our gift is going to require something of us, sacrifice in serving others. And over time, we might get to a place where once we were grateful, we were excited about the gift, but the, 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 the gratitude turns to grumbling about the gift, the opportunity. What was once I was excited to show up and serve, and now I'm grumbling about offering hospitality, about making space in my home or whatever, and we move to grumbling about it. 
Once we were glad about the gift and now we're grumbling about the gift. But, he, but love will purify our motives. And can I tell you, that's something we need on a regular basis. Like daily, weekly. Come on, so we're waking up and saying, God, would you create a steadfast and clean and pure heart in me? That's a prayer worth praying every day. It's a simple one. Lord, would you create a pure heart in me? God, would you give me pure motives? Because part of humanity, like we're, we're going to get tired. And when we get tired, we get selfish. We're going to get frustrated. And when we get frustrated, we get selfish. When we get more hurting, we're going to get selfish. And so we ask God, purify our motives. Purity is a result of loving deeply. And then thirdly, I, I believe our ministry is more effective. There's transformation that takes place. I, I mentioned my grandfather's heirloom piece and the band can come. My grandfather's heirloom piece. And when I was thinking about that, I, I began to think about um, the woman who came and anointed Jesus's feet with the alabaster jar. That alabaster jar was, I don't know, even now when you think of something, an alabaster jar, we might think, well, that sounds fancy. <laughs> I don't have any alabaster jars in my house. And you'd be right. It is, a, it's, a, it's a fancy jar. It's not an everyday clay jar but it's a fancy one that was filled with expensive perfume. And this, this woman came in and, and she broke the head off in order to do like she, to pour it out, she broke the head off this expensive alabaster jar. That was most likely, it was probably an heirloom piece. It was that type of valuable piece. And she begins to just pour it over Jesus's feet and anoint him in worship. And, and, and everybody looks on like, the disciples are like, why are you? you doing this. This woman shouldn't be touching you. She's wasting this. Judas is like, come on, like we could use this for a lot of other things. And, and, and so many times in our life, like when we're pouring out our gift to the Lord, people are like, why are you doing that? Why, why, why are you serving like that? Why are you going above and beyond? It's because you've got an heirloom piece, a gift, a grace gift inside of you that you know is worthy to be poured out for Jesus, that he is worthy. You've chosen what is most worthy. And so may it be said of us this morning, when we do this, when we pour out our gifts, when we use our gifts, they don't stay inside of us. Know this, that God receives worship. They may, they may be like, what? what? What a waste. But God is honored. God is honored in what we pour out in service to him as we love others. I don't want any person in this room, if you're eight years old or if you're 85 years old, I do not want you to miss out on unfulfilling and walking in your full God-given potential. And, and some of us, if we're really honest today, like we do not eagerly desire the charisma. We don't eagerly desire that God would work through us, just that God would work for us. Not that we could use it to bless somebody else in love. If we're really honest, we need to pray, God, would you stir up some hunger in me for your spirit, for something to go through me, not just to me. Some of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, like our flame has gone out, like it was going at one point and now it's, it's gonna take some work to get it back going. I just picture Taryn down there on her knees blowing 
blowing and blowing. It doesn't happen like that often. Sometimes it's just going to take a minute. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take one day after the next, one Sunday after the next, just blowing. Saying, God, would you do this work in me? God, would you stir it up? God, would you get the flame, help me get the flame going back again? It's going to take some effort. And some of us, we're in this place today, and it's like, hey, I feel like there's a flame going, but there's something that's missing, and it's love. And it's love. And God wants to purify our motives. He wants some transformation to happen. But the impact of our gifts will fall short if love is not present. And so today, the way I want to close is uh, first by asking you to stand. And as you meditate on those ways that the truth of God's word, not the truth of my words, but the truth of God's words this morning are resonating in our hearts. God's stirring something inside of us. He's convicting us. He's calling us. He's stirring a longing to be used in his kingdom and for his glory. I want to read 2 Timothy 1.6 one more time. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We're gonna have some team up here as this band leads us. A song of worship, just celebrating God's love for us, who doesn't leave us where we're at, but he loves us through and through. And if this is hitting home for you at any level, and you say, hey, I, I want more hunger in my life over the gift that God's placed. I wanna, I wanna do it in love. I know I've gotta lean in and get the flame going again. I, then, I wanna ask you to come and, let us lay hands on and pray. That's what the scripture says, laying on of hands. So we're gonna do that. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Band, uh, lead us this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for this moment. I pray that none of us miss out on an opportunity, a moment of transformation that you're drawing us and calling us, that the grace would not just stay stagnant and static in our hearts, but it would be released, not just to us, but through us, God. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Come on. Sometimes a sermon leaves you just wanting a little more. If this message has stirred a hunger to go deeper in God's word and you want to learn more about this teaching and how to practically apply it to your everyday walk, make sure to subscribe to our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. There you're going to find some great conversations between Next Steps director Christina Scott along with Pastor Kyle or another leader or guest speaker. We'll link it in the show notes for you. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or feel led to recommit your life to Christ, we want to celebrate with you and talk with you about what your next step might be. If you're ready to join a group or a serve team or even to request prayer for all of these things, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you tune in again soon.